Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. It's good to have you here in God's house. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 10. We're going to be looking at um, what is my, my current favorite. Uh, I'm learning to say current because I, I, I can go from favorite to favorite to favorite. It's my current favorite way of thinking about Jesus uh, as good shepherd and uh, this is a really, really powerful chapter. Uh, just a couple of days ago on Thursday night, I was able to gather with a number of you in the chapel and we did a, a bit of Bible study uh, as we're walking through our John Bible study on the second half of uh, John 10. So we're going to back up and look at the first 10 verses and think about Jesus as our, as our good shepherd. And uh, I, I think this is a really, really important uh, picture for us. And as we're prone to do, uh, what I want to invite you to experience today is to, to think about Jesus and then to think about you, uh, because that's the way the Bible works. Jesus, when he tells us something, and, and what we see in the first 10 verses of John 10, Jesus is giving us a look into himself. He's, this is self-disclosure. This is Jesus saying, this is who I am, and this is what I've come to do. And when he brings clarity about himself, that should inevitably yield clarity about you and me. Uh, so that which is true and clear about Jesus reveals things that are true about you. And so today, I want to invite you to, to, to get in touch with your animal side. <laughs> uh, Jesus is going to refer to us as sheep. And every metaphor, if you push it too far, it, it breaks down. And so what I want to say to you today is Jesus is not calling you a brute animal, but what he is saying is, I want you to see some of yourself in these animals. And because we live as a society so disconnected from farming, um, none of us probably know a ton about farming. If you do, you're, you're, in, the, you're in the rarefied air of those who would know in, in our culture. We're pretty disconnected from our food. Uh, we're disconnected from, from animals that die. So a lot of us eat animals, and yet the thought of like an animal uh, laying, you know, its life down is mortifying to us, and yet, you know, we're going to eat it. Uh, we think of them as food, not animals that become food for us. So I'm going to invite you to get closer to the, to the ground today. I'm going to invite you to understand and to hear things that all the people listening to Jesus would have instinctively understood. So we need to do a little work where they, it would have been easier for them. And then I think you're going to see something about God and something about yourself. And so we'll have a little, little nerd time today and then a little spiritual time. And I think the Lord's going to, going to meet us in that. But first I'm going to read and pray and then we're just going to, we're going to jump in. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. I have come, I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the opportunity to learn something from Jesus today. We pray, God, that you would help us to move closer to the earth, uh, closer to farming imagery that, that is super foreign and increasingly foreign to us. We pray that we would move toward the text, and by doing that, that we would move toward you. Jesus, I, I thank you that this is a moment of self-disclosure. You are telling us something about you, and by extension, you're telling us something about us. Help us to hear both of those things, to receive both of those invitations today as we live our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel 34, God says this, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on day of cloud and darkness. Today, I want you to consider, rather than looking at this text in a kind of sentimental way, you know, if I'm not careful, I, I just think of sheep as cuddly, little cuddly creatures. And then I think of this uh, shepherd as like Jerry Garcia. I just admit uh, in, my, <laughs> in my own mind, like when I hear of the good shepherd and Jesus, I'm just thinking of like, you know, Jerry Garcia, just the big beard. And if you're too holy to know who Jerry Garcia is or too young, that's okay. Um, so I want to liberate you from sentimentality. Uh, it's actually not really a kid's story. This is a pretty intense story. This is a story about bandits and thieves. And the latter half of this is about wolves attacking. This is a pretty grown-up story, pretty scary story. Anyone who cared for sheep in the ancient world would have understood that being a shepherd is not like easy work. It's hard work. So this is a, a, Jesus is actually telling us something really important. And, and here's the overarching thing I think we're supposed to hear. Um, Jesus is here to protect us because we need protecting. So like if you get those two things on the highest level, Jesus is here to protect because we need protecting, then you're understanding Jesus here. So Karen and I have a dog. Her name is Jolene. Also referred to as Joe, Jojo, Jojo Bear. She's an American bulldog. She weighs 110-ish pounds. We named her after the Dolly Parton song because Jolene in that song was a bit of a homewrecker, and we thought, you know, this dog might be a bit of a homewrecker. She's an amazing dog. But one of the things I've learned about Jolene is she's confused maybe 85% of the time. Uh, and, and she's not dumb. She just doesn't always know what's going on. She reads energy really well, but she doesn't know really what's going on. And she has a big droopy face, which makes her seem confused 100% of the time. <laughs> but I actually think she's smarter than that. I think she knows what's going on about 15% of the time. And the older that I get, the more I'm able to identify with my dog, and by extension with the sheep in these stories that Jesus tells. Jesus is not paying us a high compliment, but he's also not insulting us when he, when he, when he compares us to sheep. He's just saying you're confused most of the time. Uh, and sometimes when you think you know, like for instance, when I am, whenever I get my grill going, my dog becomes very attentive to the process because she is smart enough to know meat, 
but she's dumb enough to believe I'm going to give her a lot of it. And so, for instance, like when I'm pulling pork, um, she is just right there the whole time. And she just looks at me and she's waiting because she's 15% aware that she's going to get something, but she's 85% unclear about the fact that I'm not going to give her the whole thing. And the longer I live, the more I'm able to identify with this sense of being engaged, but not fully comprehending everything that's going on around us. And so that's where I want you to tap into that today. I want you to find that in, in your own self and in your own story. So she, Jesus is calling you a lamb. He is identifying you and me with sheep. And when he says that, again, he's not paying you a compliment, but he's also not insulting you. So I'm going to tell you a few things about sheep. Uh, Karen and I lived in England uh, 20 years ago. Our oldest child who graduates from college just in a few days was born there. So we have deep, deep roots in England. And we lived in rural England. So we lived in a very pastoral place. Uh, sheep outnumbered people. Uh, by a lot where we lived in southwestern England. And we had a really good friend who at the time we lived there worked on a sheep farm. And he, he gave me some intel uh, about sheep. They're fragile. They die all the time. They die like it's their job. Like the weather gets bad, sheep die. Um, a, a little virus gets in the flock, they die. They break their legs, they die. Um, they fall down, die. And one of his jobs was to collect dead sheep when bad things would happen. And um, this is gross. So if you're a kid, like, I'm sorry, it's just the way the animal world works. He would sometimes pick these animals up and they just kind of disintegrate in his hands. They break down really fast after death. And so um, sheep are fragile. They're also somewhat stubborn. Um, they also lack solid intelligence. They're also prone to wandering. So that's the downside. On the other side, they're valuable. Their fur is, some of you are probably um, aware of just how wonderfully insulated wool is. Their, um, their coats are a renewable resource. You, you, can, you can harvest wool over and over and over again. They're, they keep giving something of beautiful value they're also potentially very loyal when they experience closeness and connection. Sheep, like dogs, are able to know their name. Uh, the problem that we have in America is that we tend to sheep farm on massive scales where sheep are just, there are no shepherds. They're, they're, they're just, it's just big business. And those animals are deprived of the opportunity to know their name. But in smaller settings, uh, sheep are able to know their name and respond to their name, and shepherds would know all the animals. So the, the story Jesus is telling would have been to a bunch of, of farmers who would have said, oh, I know their names. I know these animals. And they would follow and respond to an owner in the same way that uh, a well-trained dog would respond. They would come when they're called. They would follow. So that, that's the good side. Um, my, my favorite sheep encounter uh, so one of the great things about England is that England have these things, uh, footpaths, which are ancient. Uh, so you'll, you'll come up to a shepherd's uh, uh, or a, a, a landowner's 
a fence, their property, and there'll be barbed wire. And then there'll be like big planks of wood where you can step right through and walk right through their property. And um, this is not a willy-nilly thing. This is like ancient land rights for people to move across property. And so um, you'll oftentimes when you're near the ocean or for instance, like when we lived in England, Madonna lived about 20 minutes from us with Guy Ritchie, who uh, was a film producer. And Madonna, when she bought the home, did not know about this footpath thing. And there happened to be a footpath that ran right through her backyard, which is amazing because hundreds of people were just going right through her backyard. And she was like, we must stop this. I'm an American and I'm a celebrity. And they were like, sorry, it's been a footpath for 1200 years. Like we can't help you. So people were always going. So Karen and I, one time were with friends and we wanted to get to the English channel. So we, we hopped on a footpath through a big giant green lush field surrounded by barbed wire. And we saw these sheep craning their necks through the barbed wire, cutting into their throats, eating grass on the other side of a lot of grass over here. They wanted that grass. And for the first time in my life, I understood what it means. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. They were willing to injure themselves slightly in order to eat that which was outside the boundary for them. So I hope you can find yourself in those uh, examples, those characteristics of sheep. Here's what we're going to learn. Number one, Jesus is the gate. And some of us, when we hear this because we don't know what that means, we think, is he a hingy door, like a piece of wood? And this is where I think we need to do a little bit of work. Um, but before we do that work, and I explain to you what that means, I just want to say what I said a few minutes ago, which is that what Jesus is saying when he says he's the gate is this, I am here to protect you. What he is saying is there are places of protection and I'm the gate for that protection. I'm the entry point for that protection. And when Jesus says anyone who enters by any means or any place other than the gate is a thief or a bandit, what he's trying to say is, I'm the only way. And the only way in this statement, it's not just a theological statement. It was also a statement that people would have understood. So let's, let's move to the second one, sheep pins or sheep folds. So I want you to imagine that this is the gate. This, these two plants constitute an opening and this right here would have been the gate. In the ancient world of Jesus, and actually today, if you were to go to Palestine, go into places out in the, in the Middle East, this is kind of the way it would work. A shepherd would go out into open fields, and then they would build a sheep pen, which would usually be made up of stone or briars that would kind of constitute an enclosed space out in a big open space. And there would be like a wall around the sheep pen to keep the sheep in and an opening. And so when Jesus says this, what he's saying is sheep are prone to being afraid. And so when there's an opening and a place of enclosure, they're invited to experience safety as they're kind of out in the open fields. And there's only one way in and one way out. And Jesus says, that's me. That's what I do. I protect that way in. So a, a sheep, an animal, a lamb, if someone jumped over the wall, they would be immediately terrified because they would know that's not the way it works. Their limited cognitive ability would tell them this is safe. Everything else is not safe. And Jesus is basically in this moment saying, I want to create spaces when you're out in the open of safety for you. And the way that you're going to know trust 
is if it comes through this space, me, it's safe. And if it comes through another way, it's not safe. And at night, a shepherd would lie down in the opening and sleep right here. Because even when he was taking his rest, if a a person, an animal, later in the chapter we see a wolf come, that the, the shepherd would be here as a barrier between us and trouble and pain. So it's very important for us to understand Jesus in all of this is saying that we're vulnerable and he's here to protect us. God is always working for our good, but we have to be realistic about the threat. So the third thing we see here is Jesus' mention of thieves and bandits. And it's really important for us to understand that he uses those two words with great intentionality. Within your space, a thief breaks in. So what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is there are places here where you're, you're called in, and we're going to look at that in a minute. And then there are places where you go out. So thieves get you in the in places. So that would be like your interior life, your relationship with God, your intimate relationship. Hopefully church is, a, is an in place. So the thief comes in. But bandits, they get you when you go out. So if the shepherd's leading them out, bandits are those um, things that are, at ri- that are harmful that get you when you're out and about, when you're more exposed. And Jesus tells us a story very intentionally about inside places, pen places, and outside places. And he uses this language around thieves and bandits to say, we're being opposed in both intimate spaces and in external spaces. So bandits, the work of the enemy in that, that image of a bandit would be as you're out like trying to live into vocation, as you're taking risks in relationships, as you're sort of putting yourself out there, there are threats out there. And then there are threats in there. And I think it's really important for us as we listen to Jesus to recognize that he has something to say about the inside places, the safe places. This is really violating, right? When something gets you in your, in your safe spot. But then some of us are so afraid to go out because stuff can get us out there too. And what Jesus is saying in this moment, and I think this is really important, is he's saying, I've got something to say to that. I You're being opposed, and yet Jesus is saying something actually really important. I want to meet you in both of those places. Jesus is aware of the threats, I think is what he's trying to say. But if we're going to be protected, we have to learn to listen. So the fourth thing we see here is Jesus saying, we are all able to hear God's voice. And I just want to say this to you about hearing God. Many of us struggle to believe that we can hear God. We think that's somebody else, or we're suspicious when somebody says they hear from God. And yet it's really instructive in this space that Jesus is not using something epic, something mystical, something impossible to wrap your head around when he talks about. He's saying these animals with limited intelligence are able to listen and know their name and they're able to follow because they're capable of knowing. He uses a really routine and mundane analogy, sheep listening to a shepherd. And if you have a dog, it would be like a dog understanding an owner's voice, knowing her name. You were made in the same way that a simple, stubborn, 
sometimes fearful animal can also be loyal and connected. You were made to understand and perceive the voice of God. And the voice of God carries a kind of characteristic or a a nature to it. In my own life, I am learning to identify the voice of a stranger in the voice of God and to separate those things. And the way that you begin to separate those things is, number one, to believe that God wants to show you what he is like and reinforce his word to you. But here we see that the sheep will run from a stranger. I'm learning to run from the stranger. Do you know what the stranger voice tells me? The stranger voice in my life, in my story, tells me I'm alone. I'm responsible for everything. I'm not lovable. I'm not enough. That's not what Jesus says to me. So I'm learning to turn my back on the stranger voice so that I can turn my face to the voice of God that says you're loved. You're vulnerable and weak and sinful, but loved. I care for you. You're not alone. You don't have to figure it all out by yourself. I don't know what your stranger voice is, but if you stop and think, you're probably able to identify it. We were made to hear the voice of God. The fundamental way that we understand or begin to understand the voice of God, the nature of it, the feeling of it, is to read the words of Jesus in the Gospels as if he were speaking to you. Understanding the kinds of things Jesus says and does will help us understand the kinds of things Jesus is wanting to say and do in your life right now as you live it. Probably my favorite book on learning to hear God is a book called Hearing God, written by Dallas Willard. And in that book, he's able to make a case for and build a kind of credible base of information for how we understand the voice of God. And I would commend that to you. I think it could be a really good opportunity for some of you to read it in groups of friends, to discuss and interact and to open yourselves up to this. If animals like sheep are able to hear God, then I'm able to hear God. What does it look like for me to hear him? And I just want to say this, you never understand authentic by exploring every counterfeit. You learn authentic by engaging in authenticity, the word of Jesus. This is why spiritual practices are so important. It's why reading your Bible, the Gospels, is so important. It's why learning to have intentional conversations that move you into more and more openness are so important because it moves us in. Here's one of the things I'll say before we move out into the last movement. Your life has to overlap with God if you're to grow in confidence that you hear his voice. When we live our lives so separated, we miss the proximity. Sheep are able to know their name and to know their their master because there's a lot of time spent, a lot of overlap. This is why we must log the hours as spiritual people. This is why we must give ourselves to spiritual practices because it's good exposure. You need to be exposed to this. You need to give yourself time and spiritual devotion and practices a little bit at a time, but a building sense of being with God, of having your life overlap with him. This is why there's no replacement for time. Time in the Bible, time in prayer, time in meaningful conversations, time at church where you hear true things said to you. Here's the last thing. Jesus leads us out and in. 
One of the things I love about this is there's a a kind of analogy for life here. Jesus is saying, I want to lead you into the safe place where you can rest. And even there, there's a threat. The enemy wants to get at us in those safe places, but Jesus is there to protect us. But then he will lead us out into the world, out into vocation, out into relationship, out into risk. And he's there with us there because there are also threats there. And I believe that it's really important for us if we're going to start to think holistically about the invitation of God is to recognize that Jesus is not just into the in or into the out. And a lot of us in this room, we prefer one or the other. We either want to be cloistered away or we want to be out there doing something big and important. Jesus is is really for both of those spaces and life has a sense of rhythm attached to it. And he wants us to recognize that he's into both of those So I would encourage you to think through where are your in spaces? Where are the places where God's asking you to seek um, and to experience intimacy and security and healing and rest? And then where are the places he's asking you to risk? I believe that as we hold these things, what does it mean to be led in and out? I believe the Lord wants to meet us. But y'all, if we don't understand that our job is to follow We're going to miss like 90% of this. You are not the boss. And we live in a world that tells us that we are the boss or that we should be, that we should be on our own. We should be able to make our own decisions and do our own thing. The thing implied in this whole image of Jesus as good shepherd is that he owns the sheep. There's a sense of being cared for, but a sense of God having the right to lay claim to us here. And that means we've got to learn how to follow. The older I get, and frankly, in some ways, the more I've suffered, the more okay I am with knowing where my limitations are and that God's call on my life is one of obedience and following him, even if I don't know or even feel all that good about the road I'm going down. I believe that Jesus wants to challenge you and me to think of ourselves as sheep and knowing that our job is to follow him in real ways, both in and out. So we're going to be still for a few moments. We're going to quiet our hearts. And I just want to invite you to consider this question or these couple of questions. But, but on a bigger scale, just maybe what are the images that are being stirred in you as you think of yourself as a, as a lamb and you think of Jesus as a good shepherd, as a gate? What do we need from him? Where is he inviting us to say yes and following him, trusting him? We're going to be still just for a few moments in contemplation and then... We'll come to the communion table, but first let's be still. Let's just hold this question together uh, as, as the people of God, and then I'll lead us to communion.